writing well is the pursuit of a lifetime. You may be at mile marker one of this wonderful life journey and thinking for the first time about embracing the life of a writer. Or maybe you're further along and ready to publish some of your ideas. I'm Melissa Parks with Dave Getz, and we are fellow travelers on this extended road trip to improve our writing and publish our ideas. We hope this podcast helps you make progress on your writing journey. Now, let's buckle up and write. When people say, I've been published, it means something specific. They were chosen by an external publisher to have their words printed with their name beside said printed writing. With that as a definition, Dave and I can both say we've been published multiple times. But being published is so much more than that. In fact, the publishing Dave and I are most proud of has not been traditionally published. We live in an era when publishing is at everyone's fingertips. And we aren't just talking about book self-publishing. And it doesn't mean you're an inferior writer if you never are published in the traditional sense. Today, Dave and I are going to talk about how the term publishing has evolved, why the old way isn't necessarily the best way, and what we can all benefit from by embracing the new definition of publishing. I'm very excited about this topic, Dave. You and I have talked a lot about this just in our everyday conversation, so we're excited to share it with our audience. I agree. This is going to be a great ride in this conversation, and I hope people come out of it feeling hopeful about, about their work and, and where they're going to publish next. But hey, Dave, before we start our conversation, can you tell us about what people can find on the Journey 66 website? Well, if you hit the website, right away you get a, a fly-in widget of sorts that you can sign up for Tipster, which is our weekly email that comes on comes out on Friday and it's writing tips, everything from flashbacks to when to use the passive voice. It's really on the craft of writing, but we also sometimes deal with the mindset of, of writing as well. It's a weekly tip. It's stuffed inside an email. It's very simple. And we found a lot of our readers benefit from it. So you can sign up for that. The other thing is we have a writing quiz. And so if you're working on a project, whether it's an article or a book, especially if it's a book, if you take that writing quiz, it kind of tells you where you're at and what you need next. And so just hit the homepage of the website, scroll to the bottom, and then you can take that writing quiz. All right, Dave, let's define publishing. Do you want to start by defining it or do you want me to? I can begin. I mean, I think traditionally publishing has referred to this idea of, uh, of the creation and distribution of printed works like books, newspapers, and magazines. And obviously that changed with the internet. In fact, in a sense, the, the, the online world is unlimited. So some would argue that writing has gotten worse since then because overall, because you know, you know, with, with print, there's a limit, like there's a four page word count. There's four pages of words in a, in a magazine, or there's 250 pages in a book. And that constraint actually keeps writing from going on and on. But so traditionally, publishers refer really to the printed word. So when people say they want to be a published author, it means that they want to be in print, right? And it's usually something that people hold pretty close to their heart. And it's something that they've often dreamed about being in print. It's such a lofty goal. 
And it makes people feel like they have some sense of credibility if they say, I've been published. And I think sometimes we, for whatever reason, will wake up one day and say, I want to write a book or I want to tell the story of the trauma of my childhood. And, and those are good things. I think COVID forced everybody into a different way of looking at the world. And many people may have come out of that saying, you know what, this has really showed me how short life is. And there's some things I want to do yet with my life. And one is to tell my story in the form of a, of a printed book. And it's such a concrete goal, which is why I think it galvanizes people, moves people to action and, and, and gets all of us out of bed to go do this work. So there is something really deeply fulfilling about being recognized in print by an external publisher. And in that sense, it's a form of an external validation. Like I went to Harvard or I completed an Ironman is, is a form of external validation. validation. And so is, is writing a book, right? And, and we have to just call it for what it is and, and just say, hey, it, it makes us feel validated and it is what it is. Do you remember the first time you saw your byline, either in a magazine article or on a traditionally published book? What, what was that feeling like? And how, how is it different than other writing that you've done that hasn't been traditionally published? That's interesting because mine was in the form of a, of a uh, magazine article. I was asked to write a book review and I did it on spec and I sent it to the editor and took back back in the day, you know, when they actually sent letters and stuff. And there was email too, but I got the, the reply back saying, hey, you know, I thought this was a triple using the baseball metaphor and we're going to publish it. But when I actually saw the printed they give you extra copies when it's a publication back in the day when it was printed publication. There is something just euphoric about it. And you, you know, you touch it and you, you open it and you kind of keep it open on the coffee table so you can share it with your friends. So there, there absolutely is that emotion. How about you? Yeah, I think mine was with, it was with the magazine as well. And it was especially meaningful because I fought hard for that article. It sounds like you fought hard for yours too. It wasn't something that somebody asked me to do. It was something right. that I asked to do. And so to go through that process of putting myself out there, asking for the opportunity, going through the editing, and then seeing it in print, my name, it was really validation of my hard work. So I do want to comment on this idea that being in print, there is something really wonderful because you are getting that affirmation from a professional saying your writing is good enough. So I, I, I don't want this to squash people if they, you know, want to get traditionally published. We're not saying that. We're just saying that there is a wider view of publishing. And I think having opening up your lens, so to speak, to maybe a, what's the word, telephoto? What's the telephoto? Opening lens? your aperture. <laughs> opening your aperture. We're gonna use, I'm going to use that as my word of the episode later. But Yes. So to just seeing the world more broadly, I do think will make you a better writer and you'll see your life, your writing life in context, as opposed to just as a very narrow focus, which is I got published in a printed publication or a book. Which when I started to really dig deep into this whole idea of publishing and I did a little bit of research, I actually found that the word publish comes from the Latin word publica which means to be made public, which I think is such a fresh way to look at publishing because you can make your words public 
any number of ways, especially in the digital age, like you said, with the internet at our fingertips and all these social media avenues and blogging and even online digital magazines. There's just so many opportunities to make your words public that weren't available even 20 or 30 years ago. So it means to be made public. Right. So even an Instagram post, that is publishing. Whenever I publish an idea, you know that I do a lot of publishing or writing on Instagram. Whenever I share an idea, even if it's only 150 words, because I'm sharing it and making my words publicly known, that's a type of publishing. And I think also because of that, you have paid more attention to what you share on social media. When you view all of your writing that you're being, that you're making public as publishing, I think you then have a renewed sense of obligation and also a renewed sense of my words mean something. I'm putting them out out into the world to be read. I think it makes you think more deeply about what you're sharing. I think that's an absolutely true point. So words made public, that's what we're defining. That's how we're reframing publishing, correct? Right. And I think it also takes out you having to have this intermediary publisher, right? Traditional publishers, there's always a gatekeeper, right? Somebody who says you're in or you're out, right? That first editor, they gave you a triple and they said, you're in. Or the editor that told me, yeah, this is good enough to publish. There's a gatekeeper, somebody that says, we will, we will publish your work. So the big differentiator with this, this new thinking of making your words public, you don't need an intermediary. You become the publisher. I think that should be an encouragement to people, to especially those of you who are just starting out, because you can influence people by making your words public. And it's not a volume game, right? If you have five people read a post or 20 people read a post, if you've thought about that post, you've crafted that post, and you've, quote, made that word public, you have created influence. That is just a great, and I I agree, the differentiator is really you. You become the publisher. That is just a wonderful and delightful view of publishing. Which really, I think, raises the benchmark for you as a thinker, because as a publisher, you have to then really think about your own work and you're, you're the filter through which everything goes and you have to determine, is this worth putting out into the world? So there's, there's almost an honest, right? There's a responsibility on your part to take seriously what you're putting out into the world, because you can think of about all the junk that's out there in the world. We could probably eliminate 80% of the words made public out there in the internet. So I think to influence the world, you really have to think strategically and think responsibly about what you're publishing if you want to continue to get people to read what you're writing. This gets on a whole different subject here of your personal brand, which at some point we should should go into about what is it like for me, one of my writing styles is when I write like personally for personal stuff, it often has a sarcastic for lack of a better word, smart aleck tone to it. And, that, and that's, that's, one of, that's arguably my native voice. And so I really keep that. Obviously, I can't do that when I'm writing copy for clients or doing other types of writing, but that speaks to brand. And so as you think about 
when you do start to think of publishing in this broader sense, it's important that when you do decide to put something out there, that arguably that it's on brand, right? It's, it's what you want out in the world. Right, because you can't take it back, right? <laughs> Often you, right, can't, you can't pull it back. It back. And, and, and so make sure before you put it out there that you don't want to pull it back. What are the other types of publishing that you do? How else do you personally make your words public? So for my business, uh, CZ Strategy, we have a blog and we'll write there. I write for like associations that we're a part of. Like I just did a, a piece. It was unsolicited. I said, hey, uh, do you have anything on strategic marketing and on basically brand strategy? And they said, no. And I just pitched it to them and they took it. So they didn't even ask it. And by the way, one of the principles here, and you brought it up earlier, is don't ask, or excuse me, don't wait for somebody to come to you. <laughs> Advocate for yourself. Podcast. Is that a type of publishing, making your work? Absolutely. Well, it yeah. is. Because you have a fly fishing podcast in addition to this one. Yeah, a fly fishing podcast. And we also write for that. My co-partner and I write for that, just like you and I write for the blog here. So I do the weekly tipster, though sometimes you'll step in for that. There's just all sorts. I just did a blog. Uh, I just did a post for a, a publication called familybusiness.org on blogging. And so it was a piece that was a niche little piece for that entity. They mostly focus on family business issues like succession planning and strategy. But I was asked to do the piece and it did. It did. It's not like I had a, you know, I might have had a thousand views on that. So it's not like it's a huge, audience, but I thought, hey, those who uh, read it, hopefully they'll find something helpful. So there's all sorts of public publishing. So what about you, Melissa? Where do you publish? Well, before I answer that question, what I was thinking of is I have two friends who each year they write these really literary and beautiful Christmas letters to their friends and family. And I always appreciate them so much because they're more than just the bulleted pointed materials, which also is a type of making <laughs> your words public, but they use it as an opportunity to publish their ideas. And they usually have a deeper underlying theme to them rather than just the facts of their life for the past year. So I think it's really wonderful when you can think of all the times that you're putting your words out into the world and how can you make it something that you're proud of? How can you see this as a publishing opportunity rather than just an opportunity to put information out into the world? Which kind of leads into what your question was, which is where do I publish? And I already referred to this earlier. I do a lot of posting on, on Instagram, but that's where I promote my, my brand, McGillicuddy. <laughs> you're talking about being on brand. So my brand, McGillicuddy, which is as a vintage expert, I also sell vintage and antique wares on the side as a jobby, as I like to call it, more hobby than it is job. I make a tiny bit of money. So that's where I share my passion. And I always try to craft it in a way that engages people. And that for me is a good sense of if people are being moved by my words as if I get comments of people say, oh yeah, that makes me think of this, or yes, I can identify. So I like social media for publishing because it is kind of real-time feedback and you get a real sense of, you know, what your audience responds to. And if your writing was particularly moving, you generally get a sense of that, um, either through positive feedback or the way in which people respond and say, I can identify. I would encourage anyone, if you want to see just great writing, Instagram writing, go, go to Melissa's 
account on Instagram, McGillicuddy, and you'll see her longer posts. And what's always amazing to me, I mean, you have posts that have over 100 comments frequently, and people are moved by that. It's just a good example of taking serious where you've decided to publish and making sure it's on point, really arguably on brand for you. So what would be the most comments you've ever gotten on a post? I got probably 450 on one. I think I talked about, I think it was the one where I talked about my affection for nude art and why I I collect it and (laughs) what it speaks to me. And people really resonated with that because most of my audience is women, right? And so when I, when I spoke to the topic, people could I really identify? So it was kind of like, go, go woman power post, but it got a lot, of, <laughs> got a lot of comments. I was, I was going to add to that, that writing on Instagram and publishing regularly, in addition to giving you real-time feedback, it also has become an opportunity for me to really learn the craft of writing specifically how to tell a story because you have limited time to tell that story. So you get at the essence of the story, the beginning, the middle, and the end it really quickly. You know how to engage people quickly, give them the information that they need and how to resolve it. And so I would encourage you if you just want to start writing more and aren't intimidated by starting a blog or you don't know, you know what kind of magazine or digital platform to write for, just start on your, your, your Facebook account or your Instagram account. And I guarantee you people are going to read good writing. What I love about that is that you control back again to the, you are the publisher, you control when and where you publish. And again, it's not a volume game. Five people read it and are influenced, 10 people, a hundred people. You know, it's just, it's a really, a, I love that words made public. What a great What a great definition of publishing. So why do we place a higher value on traditional publishing? Why do you think that is? I think it goes back to that idea that we think more numbers means better, right? So you you just made the point, you know, if you're only 10 people are reading your Instagram posts, that could be hugely successful. You could be really deeply influencing 10 people. But in our minds, we think we're not a bestseller. We don't have you know, 500 comments, or we don't have, you know, 20,000 people buying our book, we really associate success with numbers. And that's just the problem with our society in general, right? And that goes back to ego, we think that if we have more people fawning, and more people buying our books, that means that we're, we're just, uh, we have arrived, we are somebody. I think it implies, you know, some sort of selection process. So I was chosen so I can feel elite. I can go to the cocktail party and say, oh my God, you know, I was published by so-and-so. And, it, you know, it, it, there is a sense of validation. I don't want to totally diss that, but it also feels like you'll have a, a large audience to read your work. And I'm going to say to you that with today's traditional publishers, that may or may not be true. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think of you having almost what, 27,000 followers on Instagram. My guess is that if you wrote a book, you wouldn't sell 27,000 copies. You don't think, Dave, darn. (laughs) Okay, maybe 100,000. But no, books like yours are very niche, right? So, but think about the influence. Every time you post, you have an audience of 27,000. That's 
that's almost like a stadium. It's almost like Led Zeppelin or some band <laughs> playing to a stadium of 20,000 or 27,000 people. If you were a rock band and you could play to 27,000 people, that'd be amazing, right? I mean, think about that. So just because you get printed and, or get selected by a traditional publisher does not mean you're going to have a large, large audience. I was also going to say that getting a book deal, being selected, it assuages that imposter syndrome that we all have, like, we're not anybody, I'm not a good writer. And as soon as you get validation like that, like we want to publish your book, you suddenly think, oh, I'm not an imposter. But really what I found to be true with the writers with whom we've worked is that that doesn't last. The imposter syndrome always crops back up. And so, yes, for a brief moment, you can feel chosen. You can feel like you're a good enough writer to be published by a traditional publisher, but you still have that noise in the background saying, oh, but I didn't sell this many copies. That must mean I'm not a good writer, right? It, it crops up in other ways. So just expect that imposter syndrome to always be living with you, even if you are traditionally published. The imposter syndrome can never be solved with some form of external validation, right? It's got to come from within. It's something you have to live with for the rest of your life. It doesn't have to dominate your thinking, but the imposter syndrome will never be solved by an external validation by being published. It just won't. I, I just think of you and I've worked with so many writers through the years. I remember one who struggled with imposter syndrome up until the time it was published. And, and it was published by a major publisher and he struggled because he had, he had not written really a word of the book. It was ghostwritten by you and me, right? And, and one of our other team writers. And, and so he struggled with that. And then the book did well. He landed some, I think the book did reasonably well. He certainly got into some major publications, but then it didn't do well enough where the publisher wanted him to write another book. So he had submitted the idea of another manuscript to them, and they had rejected it. So the imposter syndrome just keeps coming back, right? So you have to deal with that internally. Publishing externally with a traditional publisher is never going to solve that issue. I also think it's really important for aspiring serious writers to know that bad writers get published. Just oh. because you're published doesn't mean you're a great writer, because as you were saying, Dave, there's so much that publishers look for. They look for that following. They look if you can sell a book and they're bankers, right? They want to make money. So oftentimes they will take on writers who aren't great writers. You could be better than a lot of the writers who are published, but because you don't have a following or you don't have that external marketability, then you may not get picked up. So I just want to help demystify this idea that getting published means you're a good writer. Getting published traditionally is a good writer, means you're a good writer, because it's just simply not true. I also, there was a great line, and I've said this multiple times, I'm going to say it again, but ostensibly it was Stevie Ray Vaughan, the great Texas blues guitarist who died. But someone asked him, what's it like to be the greatest guitar player and he made some comment like, well, the greatest guitar player is probably playing to a Texas bar of about 30 people. You just <laughs> haven't heard of him or her before, right? So yeah, just because you get published does not mean you're a good writer on any level. So it's just a really important part. And I think, and to roll up this section here is you really need a purpose bigger than simply, quote unquote, being published, right? Right. Something else needs to drive you. And, 
And it, and yes, it might be the simple goal of getting a book out there, but for us, we always want that larger purpose to be to develop the to develop a writing life that can create influence over your lifetime. Which leads us to our next section, which is what are the reasons why we publish? And I think that our listeners would really benefit from asking this question early on and regularly throughout their writing life. And that is, why do I want to publish? And there are so many different reasons for wanting to publish. And I think that it can change over time. Oftentimes your motivations for writing will change. It becomes clear as you write, you're like, oh, this is why I need to to write this piece of this work that I want to get out to the world. So what are some of the reasons why people want to publish? Or how would some people answer that question? Why do I want to publish? Well, some people, I think they want to they want to develop a following or what we would call a platform. And so they want to write so that they can have more people to hear what they say or what they write. Basically, the whole idea of being a thought leader, right? That implies that one, you have thoughts, two, mm-hmm. that you're a leader. And three, that you have people that actually want to listen to you. But I think it, often it may be simply, I would like a wider group or a platform to, that, I could, that I could speak into over time. Another one is people are called to inspire. There, and there are some people who are just inspiring. They have a way about them. They've been told they're inspiring. Their words are encouraging. They, they help people aspire to be more. We recently read a piece from a woman who often writes inspirational pieces for women in her in her group and that's what why some people publish is simply to inspire others to aspire to more and and that's completely legitimate another one is to educate often you'll have someone who's a who who has either grown through something it might be an issue that they feel passionate about and so they write to educate others on that issue i think about uh, we have someone who's part of our our weekly coaching called Road Trippers, and she, her emphasis is on cyber safety for kids, right? So in, in many ways, she's an educator on that, and her writing really reflects that educator, educational motive. Then there are some people that simply want to write to share with their families, and maybe this is through your annual letter, maybe it's through a family-dedicated website, or maybe it's through a book. We have worked with some authors on publishing some legacy books where they tell the story of their family and where they came from and the values that are important to them. And that certainly is a, a valid reason to publish. Another is to sharpen and express your expertise. There's a lot of folks who may be experts in coaching or experts in vintage. That's like right. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> or canning or... Fly fishing. Canning. Fly fishing, which I published a book, self-published a book called, uh, well, my partner and I did called The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. Life is short, catch more fish, I have to say. And I've said this many times, I'm probably more proud of that book and how it turned out than even my book, Death by Suburb, that I published with HarperCollins. So if you have an expertise, sometimes that's your, your purpose. And sometimes it's simply... It's because I've always dreamt of publishing. We hear this a lot from our road trippers and other people whom we've interviewed. They remember reading a lot as a child and they dreamed early on and they dreamed big that they wanted to write a book. And that's, that is legitimate. Sometimes it's a dream that motivates you, a dream to put beauty into the world. And maybe it's a, a fictional piece, who knows? But 
that's just another reason that you've always dreamt of publishing. And there are probably quite a few other reasons why people publish. So I would just encourage our listeners at this moment to ask, why is it that I want to publish? And the reason why we want you to identify that is because that answer is going to sustain you in those moments when you want to give up or when you wonder, why am I writing this book? If you have a goal in mind and a reason for for writing, then it's so much easier to stick with the goal. And, And especially like for me, if I have like a bad Instagram post or whatever, and I don't get good feedback, it's like, okay, what is the reason for me? For me, right? I want to I want to elevate the everyday for people through my words and my pictures. I want people to think, I want people to connect. And if I can do that tomorrow, then I'll do it tomorrow. So it kind of sustains you, I think, through the slumps. So you're saying we should identify why we're writing. I think that's a really good question. Why am I writing? And I'm just going to list the ones that we've already mentioned. Is it to develop a platform? Is it to inspire? Is it to educate? Is it to share with your family and friends? Is it to sharpen and express your expertise? Is it because it's something you just always have dreamed about doing, which is publishing something and it's more general? But one of the things that you've said, and you said that sometimes the reasons for why you're publishing might change. Talk about that a little bit. So maybe you start out wanting to publish for a real ego-driven reason because you have this, this hole inside of you and you think that you need to get traditionally published and that will make you feel like you're somebody that happened. That happens all the time with writers that we, we work with. And it's really difficult to get a book deal. As people know, it's difficult to get the attention of a literary agent. It's difficult to get the attention of, of a publisher. So while you're in the process of finding who's going to publish your book, if that's a route you're wanting to go, you're going to face a lot of rejection. And suddenly you have to decide, am I going to write this book even if a literary agent never picks me up, even if I'm not published traditionally? Are my words important enough that I want to continue to write this story? I want to write my ideas. And that happens. And so for some people whom we work with, they're like, yes, this book, this idea, this thinking needs to be out in into the world. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it out there because it's so important, even if I'm not traditionally published. Anything you would add to that, Dave? I just heard a story the other day, an anecdote. I was listening to a podcast. It was a writing podcast and they had interviewed someone that was a writer for, I think it was youth. Yeah. Youth fiction. So she wrote her first one and easily landed an agent, but then couldn't sell it. But she didn't stop writing. She wrote then her second one, didn't sell it, wrote her third, wrote her fourth. She didn't sell one until she wrote, I think it was either her 10th book or her 11th book. That was probably a three or four year run. So she just kept writing. And yes, she was trying to agent those books or not agent them, but get it, find an agent to sell them. But it wasn't working. So instead of just stopping and waiting until that agent found a publisher for that one book, she kept writing. And well, guess what happened during that time? She improved. My guess is her character development improved, her plot development improved. And I I listened to that story and I was like, whoa, this person was really serious. And she was someone who had never written anything before. And so then by that 11th book that that, that she landed a deal with, 
it ended up winning like some prize or something. It was just a great example of persistence. So I do think your reasons change. And I do think you need to write other than just simply for that, you know, that validation that comes externally when you've been published by a traditional publisher. I do want to say that also the benefits of self-publishing, whatever form that takes, not just necessarily book self-publishing, but publishing in less traditional method manners is really important because it allows you to practice writing for an audience and it allows you to hone your craft. You're not waiting for it to get out into the world after so many months that it goes through a review process and then an editing process, right? You can get it out into the world on your timing and get feedback right away. And you can do a lot of it, right? You don't have to, you don't have to wait. There's just some such freedom in, in taking control of it and saying, I'm going to write and I'm going to improve with each thing, each thing that I write. You're not waiting for an editor to say, yes. Right. I now bless you. You may be published in this online publication or in this magazine, or I bless you and you get to publish with us in terms of your book. You can publish and get feedback in real time. And instant feedback helps you make changes quickly. There's this great learning curve that happens. I think if you're just starting out, you should expect writing to be a lot like learning to play the guitar. You're not going to play with, you know, with the Foo Fighters or someone like that. So, I mean, you're not going to pick up guitar and be on stage, right? So the more you play the guitar, the better you get. And the same is true with writing. In today's world, with this non-traditional publishing, which is this idea, again, to define this word, words made public, that means you have the chance to hone your craft more quickly and, and, and learn the skills more quickly and thus publish more frequently. It also, I think, allows you to test and develop your ideas. So we all have these rudimentary base, basic ideas that we haven't fully baked, right? They're just half-baked ideas. And so you might throw them into a blog post or into a social media post or maybe some, an email, something, right? You, you make your words public and then suddenly you get feedback from people and they help your thinking evolve on a certain topic. And so you go back with fresh fresh material to then write again on that topic. So it's really a way to get real-time feedback, not just on your writing and if it's good writing, but also on your ideas. So your idea is so much more developed when you maybe do something that's bigger down the road. And we've mentioned this just a little bit earlier in the podcast, but your stories, your expertise don't have to wait in, into some undefined time in the future when somebody says, okay, now you can publish with us. You can actually affect and influence people right now. And so this idea of words made public is something that allows you to influence others even right now as you're developing your writing craft. Absolutely. And then just one final word of encouragement is that you're not passively waiting. You're, act you're actively working on your dream when you are publishing in this less traditional sense, when you're making your words public, there's something so empowering about not waiting and just doing and improving that you just, you, you, you need to just go for it. And you'll see how rich it is when you have had made small steps towards your bigger dream. We always like to say at the end of everything now, buckle up, buckle up and write. Up.
And the corollary to that is now buckle up and publish. All right. Well, I, I, I'm feeling hopeful myself. Like I want to go write a Instagram post or something. How about you, Dave? You always have. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Honestly, as we were, I think as we were talking, I thought, okay, I, I know the next thing I need to write. I need to get after that. Well, I hope that's encouraged a lot of people here who have felt stuck because they don't have a publisher or a literary agent. There's nothing stopping you from publishing now. And it's a really wonderful thing to make progress and to get feedback. So we'd love to hear how this encouraged you. If you want to drop us a line, we'd love to hear what you took away from this episode. But before we close out this episode, we want to close with our words of the episode. So I will go first. And this is a new to me word, and it is parvenu. It's a person of obscure origin who has gained wealth, influence, or celebrity. So it's synonymous with nouveau riche or a social climber. So here is a terrible sentence. Even though Tom married into a rich family, he was still considered a parvenu by his bride's country club family. So there you go, parvenu. That's great. Doesn't it kind of sound like an imposter parvenu? There's some, I'm always speaking up the tone of the word and I can remember it. It's almost pejorative. Yeah. All right, Dave, what's your, your word of the episode? So mine is a common word, but I heard it the other day in a podcast used metaphorically, and it's so powerful. It's aperture, which is the opening in a lens through which light passes to enter the camera, aperture. And it was used in a metaphorical sense, and it was a, a podcast in which these investors we're talking about the war, the current war that's in Ukraine. Uh, Russia, at the time of this podcast, has invaded the Ukraine. And he, they talked about how things change through the aperture of war. And I just thought that was such a great use of the word. You know, through the lens of war, you see the world completely differently. Right. It's just a great metaphorical use of the, of the word. What I like about the word aperture, too, is you could take it one step further, right? So with camera, when you widen the aperture, you let in more light. So in that article, it would be interesting to see if the aperture that he's talking about through which we view war is a wide lens where we're getting in a lot of light, or if it's very narrow. So hmm. I feel like that could be something to explore in writing. That's what I love about words is there's just so much you can do with them when you understand their full meaning. That's a great word, Dave. Thanks for reminding us of it. Hey, Dave, I think that's it for the day. Do you have anything else? I think that's it. I just love where, where we came down on what publishing is. All right. I think that's it. I'm Melissa Parks. And I'm Dave Getz. Now buckle up and write and buckle up and publish. 